ladies and gentlemen, today's opponents on Man vs. Train. At the crossing, we have Rick, a 175-pound frustrated man who's running late for work. And on the tracks, we have Bull, a million-pound freight train that takes a mile to stop. Let's see who comes out on top. You can't beat a train, so don't try. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. From the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this is Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Hello, Simon Provan. How are we doing, sir? Baxter, I'm doing great. How about yourself being a, am, a new daddy? I'm doing ex- I'm doing really well, honestly. I'm very excited. It's a, it's a great time in the Colburn household, and uh, all is certainly right with the world, for sure. Well, that's awesome. And how was yeah. uh, well? How's your little guy doing? I didn't announce his name because I, I wanted that. I wanted were, to share. You were definitely pl- you were teasing people. Yeah. If yeah. they're if they're Facebook friends on, with us, they know that obviously what the name is. But um, uh, if you don't know, then uh, we decided to name my son Beckham. So uh, some some were like, "Oh, like Bennett, like Beckham." I'm like, "Yes and no." Like when my wife and I were talking about potential names for our son, we said, "You know what? We you know we went we're just rolling through a bunch of names, and you know we kept coming back to just the name Beckham because it's not a very common first name. Sure. Like it, it it rolls well. He has the same initials that I do as as well. Too. Cool. So we cool. didn't want to do the whole junior thing. So we're like, let's uh, let's kind of change it. I've got a unique first name. Now he kind of does as well too. So, but he was a very healthy boy, seven pounds, eighteen inches, and continues to grow and uh, look even cuter each and every day. Awesome. So it's an exciting well, time. Well, congratulations. Sure. Thank it, you. it is. It is. It's the only time in your life where you're okay to be tired because you know why you're tired. It's exactly. the best reason in the world exactly. to be tired. And, and that's the funny question because everyone's like, how you doing? How you doing? I'm like, I'm tired, but I'm great. Like, it's, you know, it's, you get up, yeah. you, you do the feedings, you move on and, you know, just continue to spend time. And he was, you know, he's a week old officially today too. So that's kind of a crazy thought. There my wife go. this morning was like, oh, he's a week old. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I know. We have well, to start you know, applying for colleges tomorrow. Exactly. You've heard everybody say it. It goes so fast. Yes. I can't believe I have a 13 year old and a oh nine year old. It's that's, crazy. That's gotta be, that's gotta be crazy, especially, but uh, no, we're, uh, mom's happy and healthy. I'm, I'm happy and mostly healthy and, and baby is doing exceptionally well also. So. Uh, thank you for holding down the fort while I was absolutely. Well. I, I did my best. I don't know if it was great, but I did my best. <laughs> it was. It, it worked. It worked. No, you, you did a good job. Absolutely. But I, I'm thrilled to be back. We only have one show this week for you, as Thursday is Thanksgiving. So please go and spend time with your family and friends and argue who the next U.S. Men's National Team head coach should be and all that other great stuff. But also, at, at the end of the day, just be thankful for all the blessings and everything absolutely. exciting things that you have in your life. We have something to be thankful uh, for on our show today, Simon. We have a new sponsor that's going to be joining us. So that's uh, an exciting time. You, yeah. were, you were very busy in the, in the sponsor world while I was gone. We were able to, to bring in another fantastic gentleman that knows his way around not only the soccer world but the Milwaukee scene as a whole 
and he is uh we're gonna we're gonna let him obviously introduce what he does but uh a man that many friends around the milwaukee area know as fred gillick fred you're probably one of the most rad people i've ever met and now you get to join two up front as a sponsor welcome to the show sir how you doing Good guys, welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely, Fred. And I, I was gonna, I was gonna introduce your company as a whole, but I know that you've got a fun way that you like to introduce it. So, what company do you officially represent? My um, company is Too Much Metal. You know, it's an independent source, uh, free thinking, and rad T-shirts. I like to call it, uh, you know, smart shirts for smart people, man. It's basically, <laughs> a lot of Milwaukee pride stuff. It's um, you know, things that uh, kind of provoke you, make you look at things a little bit differently. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something I've been doing for a pretty long time, and I'm pretty dang lucky that I get to do this for a living. I'll say that. Yeah, I would have to you agree know, with that. It's not every day you get to express creativity and have people actually care. So that, you know, I don't take that for granted any day, and I'm so uh, happy that I get to work with you guys who also are very good and, and, and humble about the things that you guys do. So I think... Uh, you know, I'm I'm more than happy to support you guys. Well, we appreciate that, Fred, and we know that uh, your your expertise is certainly unique. But a lot of people really love what you do as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Fred, we know that you've got deals with with the Milwaukee Bucks, with the Milwaukee Torrent, and of course, let's not forget you also now write for the Shepherd Express. Why don't you give a little info on that as well? Uh, yeah, I do, and it's a really cool project. It's called Make Milwaukee Rad. And it's basically, you know, a conversation with, uh, you know, culture makers, influencers, and kind of do-gooders, you know, people that really make a difference or at least attempt to shape the city that they live in. So they advocate for it. And I thought, well, you know, there's, you know, we need to find out who these people are, shine a light on them, and have them share their story, you know, our story. And I think that you're doing a great job with that. I've had the opportunity to catch a couple of the videos and articles that you've already done for the Shepherd Express. And it's and it's true. It's definitely those people don't always get the opportunity to really, you know, get to the forefront of what's going on. And I think the fact that what you're doing has been a great way to highlight, you know, you know the, the exceptional yeah, skills sure. that these people might have or talents as well. You know, it's, it's, they're there. You know, a lot of these cats are a lot more visible than we kind of give them credit for. And they're the, you know, they're the, it's kind of the oil and the grease or the solar energy that powers the stuff that maybe, you know, we kind of overlook because, you know, somebody else, you know, has, has a bigger voice. And I just feel like, you know, there's, there's a lot of misrepresentation sometimes with, you know, what, you know, we think people who do good things are. And so I thought, well, you know, I know all these people. These people have something to say. Let's listen to them. Fred, going back to Too Much Metal, of course, people can find you at the festivals in Milwaukee, which uh, our city is very well known for. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Walking around, yeah, people are. with their 414 stuff on, their Cooler by the Lake hoodies. Uh, <laughs> but you do have a showroom. Why don't you let people know where your showroom is? Yeah, the shop is in the Third Ward. It's uh, on the corner of Water and Buffalo with the Marshall Building. So the first thing you see on the third floor, I know it's a little bit of, you know, third floor retail, but, you know, for all the good things, man, you got to go, like, searching for them, man, you know? Well, that's not, where all the cool happens. Hey, not only that, but but you get a little more healthy going to your shop, so that's, you know, that's a great bonus as well. Well, you know, I'd like to advocate for a fit lifestyle, man. You know, you can't just be hanging out in the bars eating beer and sausage and, you know, cheese all day and watching the Packers. I mean, although that's cool. I say that's dude, a good but, life to live, though, for many people. I, I don't see is, why that's a problem burn here. That off a little bit, man. So you got to jog a couple of flights of stairs. But I guess so we have two elevators that I'm facing right now, so it's not that hard to get here. It's around right the corner of Water and Buffalo. There's a sign on the corner that says "Rad T-shirts, third floor." I'm sure everyone has seen it. It's been out there for the last five years. 
the guys over at Milwaukee Blacksmith are making me a new one as we speak. Oh. So it's, uh, you know, helping out local. That's a little bit of news right there. Uh, you know, I like to give back to the people who, who, you know, live in the city and work in the city. So I said, hey, man, let's put these dudes to work and they're going to make something really fantastic and special. So I can't wait for it to, uh, to be on that corner. Fred, I, I want to switch gears for a moment and talk a little bit about your your love for soccer and sports as a whole, too. I know that you're involved with the Milwaukee Torrent, uh, as Simon mentioned earlier, yeah. the professional yeah. soccer team here in Milwaukee. But t- walk us through a little bit about your fandom a little bit. I mean, it's always fun to hear how everybody gets their, their story of the team that they support. But uh, who do you who do you favor as your, your team that you will live and die by? <laughs> That's a good question you're putting me on the spot. Well, I mean, uh, I'll tell you this, man. As an immigrant, I, I definitely have a... Um, a proclivity for my German national team. I'm not going to lie. That's my team. I don't care what anyone says. I love Die Mannschaft. <laughs> There's nothing wrong <laughs> with that. They're a fantastic, you know, fantastic team. They are. They are, man. And so that's the team I get behind. I mean, I've got my Bayern Munichs, my Arsenals, my Barca. You know, I even actually like my Seattle Sounders. Um, okay. So I'll watch them in the MLS. It's just a struggle to watch MLS play, but, you know, the the – the championships at the end of the year, the, the playoff system, yep. is perhaps when it gets really exciting to watch. I suppose it's like, you know, any other sport, the best talent yep, in exactly. league play comes up towards the end of the season. Uh, and I, and so yeah, exactly. Been, so, yeah, man, that's that's kind of who I get behind, you know. So I grew up with that stuff in my house when I was a kid. And, you know, we, we'd play it in the alley or in the, you know, in the fields with, with all of our friends and you know, we'd get organized, and then we realized it was more fun to play not organized soccer. Yep. And so we did. And so that's kind of where that came from. Because it's easy to, like, pick up games where the best way to make new friends. And I think as a platform, soccer allows you to do that. You know, you have to be truthful with each other when you play the game. Like, there's no, oh, I didn't get a chance to do this, or I missed that, you know, because you'll miss a pass. You'll know. People will know. And so you get to be cool, and you get to make new friends that way. And, and there's something honest about, you know, great little pickup games. Where you you know, and I suppose any sport, but maybe soccer more in particular because it invites the entire world. Mm-hmm. You get a real multi-culty experience, you know. Exactly, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, Fred. Of course, we love the fact that you do love soccer, which which makes this marriage of uh, too upfront and too much metal a special one. We talked about your showroom. We talked about people can find you at all the festivals. What about on- online? Where can people find you? Yeah, it's simple. Too much metal dot com. T-O-O-MuchMetal.com. And I'm assuming you got a Facebook page out there as well? Yeah, it's all there. Yeah, it's there as well. It's all on the website. All the social links uh, connect through. Um, so whatever you need to know or find out about me is all on the website. Perfect. Well, Fred, we are excited to have you join our sponsorship. You'll be sponsoring the Kick Around, so we will definitely yeah. be excited. Oh, to... I'd like to add, might I add that I really like the professionalism, the way you guys handle your show. It's probably one of the, you know, and I... A few opportunities we had to partner on a few events over the summer. I was mm-hmm. really impressed with what you guys put the show together. And that level of quality is, I think, what you know anybody who loves what they do should like aspire to produce or express. Um, because there's no plan. You guys like do it the right way. You do it legit. And you know that's what I like the most about you guys. You don't cut corners. You care about the quality and the excellence and the experience. And that's the number one reason, mostly that. You know, I wanted to partner with you guys. Well, we appreciate that, Fred. We're very excited for the uh, partnership going forward. We got to let you run because we got to get to a break. But we're so excited to have too much metal as yeah, sponsor dude. the kick around. So thanks for a ton, sure. Fred. We appreciate it. All right, guys, have fun, man. All right, Absolutely. thanks, Fred.
All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, Bianca Ferrara of Vavli USA will be here to help us sort through everything going on with the NWSL, the W League, and, of course, that 60-minute special that's got everybody stirring. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back right after this. Presented by Three Lines Pump from the Attention Era Media Studios. This is Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan. We roll along with the show after a great little opening segment. The kick around at a different a different note in our first segment, but uh, an exciting time when we get to introduce a new sponsor, though. Absolutely. So now we get to start saying the kick around brought to you by Too Much Metal for One Hand. Yes, it is exciting times here at Two Up Front. And of course, if you'd like to get on board with the sponsors, you can go to our website, Two Up Front soccer.com to find out more information about how you can join the sponsorship team yeah absolutely check us out on facebook too while you're at it Two upfront soccer and then what the heck find us on twitter as well at Two upfront soccer at baxter colburn at simon Prov, and of course with baxter having a new child and with me wrapping up a performance of a laura ingles wilder christmas we have been too active on our facebook and, and twitter much, feeds no. but uh, but, but we'll get back into action now that life is well, kind of settling You're down You're going to get bit. a lot of baby pictures from me if you if you follow me or are on friends with me on Facebook currently. I mean, he's just so darn cute. I mean, when you name your kid Beckham and he's half Ita- uh, fourth Italian, he's just going to be darn adorable. So that's my wife's words, of course, not mine. Anyway, uh, well, we get to move along with the program. Uh, we've got a, a good friend of the show joining us. She is the NWSL editor of Vavil USA. It's Bianca Verrar, and she joins us on the program now. Bianca, welcome back to Two Up Front. Hi, thanks. Glad to be back. We are excited to have you back, Bianca. It's been a chaotic uh, off-season for the NWSL, I think is the best way to put it. Chaos, pandemonium, <laughs> nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah, especially when you're talking Washington Spirit and Boston Breakers. Yes, yeah, exactly. Can you can you kind of help us figure things out? I, I don't know if even you have it fully sorted out, and you know a lot about this league that so many people are in love with, but... Is is what's going on in the NWL, NWSL this offseason a good thing or a bad thing for the league? Um, I feel like a lot of it is either way. I think it depends on how you look at it. Obviously, with Boston bringing in a lot of internationals, deciding to change their roster for the better, that's great for them. For the Spirit, I know they've been under a lot of hot water lately with a bunch of people leaving, plenty of things going on otherwise. So I just, I mean, some teams will come out stronger and other teams are kind of not looking too great right now. Yeah, and I, I, I think you, it's, Washington is doing the best they can, of course, to, to try to re-sign players and, and bring in new players, of course, to kind of make up for the fact of losing Allie Krieger and you know, so many other talented players so far. But is this going to be a, a case of how we see Washington this year? You know, They were second, you know, they went to the finals. Are they going to even be above seventh place next year? Is that too outlandish to say this early on without fully knowing all the players they're going to have yet? Um, I personally, I don't see them doing as well as they did this season. But then again, no one really saw New York going for the championship. True. So. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, Simon and I, you, we've talked about that on the show all the time. We're like, next season's going to be crazy. And even Paul Riley said that when he was on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's like, Houston's getting better. Boston's getting better. Sky Blue. He's like, there's so many teams that are getting better. 
And who knows? He's like, we don't know if we're going to even be in the playoffs again next year, even regardless of the fact that we're playing for a championship. So it's funny to see how a league like the NWSL, even though they've only been around for four years, is already so unpredictable. But in a good way, I'd like to think, at least, Bianca, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's a lot more competition now with more players coming in and the college players that come in now. They're just so much more technically gifted. And it's just it's very interesting to watch. And I'm very excited to see what happens next season. One thing that's going on right now that I think a lot of folks are getting their soccer fixed by is the W League down in Australia. A lot of NWSL players are down there kind of honing their craft in the offseason. And uh, it's it's been fun so far. There's been a couple of injuries, of course, that people have been a little concerned about. But yeah, a big one to Washington Spirits starting keeper um, Kelsey Weiss, who suffered an ACL tear, which is which is huge. But, but then on the other side, you've got great news for Boston Breakers with Natasha Dowie leading the W League in scoring right She's now. She's been sliding it up. I feel like is this is this a, obviously good news for Breakers fans, Bianca? Oh yeah, no, definitely Breakers fans definitely need to see that a lot more goals for sure for them but also just seeing Natasha Dowie do so well overseas it's hopeful that they can come back and be able to produce in the NWSL season here. You're obviously very close to the Houston Dash down there uh, from where you're located I mean I know you go to you go to school out west but you know you call Houston that 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 area home from some of the Dash players perspectives who have you liked so far that's that's out on loan and you know have you given us any updates at all about how they're playing? Um, I know Lydia Williams is doing very well with her team, but um, unfortunately for Bianca Henninger, her the Melbourne Victory aren't doing so well right now, but she's still killing it. She's had amazing games like from highlights I've seen. She's doing super well, so it's props to her. And in Canberra, I know Stephanie Oaks is starting and playing the whole game for her club, and they just came away with three points, so it's super exciting for all three of them. I can't wait to continue to support them this W League season, and I'm so excited to see them when they come back for our NWSL season. Do you have a favorite uh, W League team? Um, I have probably a top three. I would go Canberra, because there's just so many players that I love there. Sure. Um, Perth Glory, mainly for Ariana Romero, who did play with the Houston Dash in its first season. Mm-hmm. And then um, my last one would probably be Melbourne City because of Steph Catley. Ah, okay, fair enough. It's it's always good to to keep tabs on, of course, some of your favorite players, and I know that's how some people pick their favorite teams as well. It's based off of the players that they that they like, of course. But uh, the W League also coming under. Not getting some praise, I feel like too, from uh, from women's soccer supporters, because a lot of these games are gonna are, are televised, while the NWSL games are still only really being streamed on YouTube. That's that's been a little bit of a, a conflict of, of interest, I guess, for some people. Be like, well, how come we're streaming a league or we're, we're we're showing a league that is not even you know at the same level as the NWSL? I'm curious to get your thoughts about that. Um, well, at first, when I found out the news, it was very exciting and also surprising that the W League was able to get such a deal because half of their games are going to be streamed while or streamed on ESPN three, while we can't even get like half a season on the ESPN as the league made in in America. So what I found out was like the A League, the ESPN offered the A League a deal with yes, like with their games and stuff this season, but A League told them we're only going to take you guys if you also stream W League games as well. So I guess that's how they snuck in, which is super smart. And I think only one, I want to say only one of the clubs in, in W League isn't associated with an A League team. 
But either way, like, it's great for them. And I think only the doubleheader games are, are being televised, but still it's amazing that it's, they could pull that off. It's better than the, what's five or six games, I think, total that the NWSL had streamed on either ESPN or Fox or <laughs> FS1, I think, this year. Oh, yeah, much better. <laughs> Yeah, I would say the one difference there is, is those games were actually on television yes. versus W League being internet only, which I know for most of the season that's what NWSL is. Mm-hmm. Uh, question for you, the signing with Seattle or re-signing by Beverly Yanez, is is that a big deal or is, or is she more of uh, the type of player that it's, it's nice to have on the team but really is not going to make much impact unless, of course, she's playing against the Houston Dash? Um, I think it's a pretty solid signing. She's very much become a core of the Seattle Reign, and she's like when she's called upon, she does. She is able to produce, and I think that's big for Seattle, especially in losing a bunch of their midfield this year. But also like looking at their new signing of Christine Nair, and that's yeah. also very huge. So I feel like Giannis does play a very big part in the Seattle Reign, but she's not the end all be all player for them. Sorry, so I had to throw that dig in there because yeah, it was it thanks. was her goal that kept uh, <laughs> Seattle perfect against the Dash this season. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. <laughs> Everybody's got a team that they're good at scoring on, I guess. It's, it's kind of crazy. All right, Bianca, the last thing we need to talk to you about before we have to let you go is the one thing that many women's soccer, and actually just in general soccer fans and national media continue to talk about. It's that 60-minute special that several of the U.S. women's national team players uh, you know, had air a couple of days ago. What were your initial takeaways from from the way that the the information was you know portrayed and just the overall argument I guess that the women are trying to make? Um, I feel like from watching the sixty minutes, it's basically the same stuff they've been saying since the beginning, which isn't too surprising. But I think the fact that they have not ruled out a strike is actually a very big deal because that affects a lot of a, a lot of their like income and things like that. So I just feel like at this point they're just trying to make everyone more aware of the issues going on because there's still a lot of people who don't really understand their fight and why they're fighting. But honestly, I think they should just keep doing what they're doing and gain more national attention because then it's going to be a problem that USSF can't ignore anymore. Bianca, I have to say, when the, when, when the news of all of this first came out, you know, I was completely on board with supporting everything that women are going for. And, uh, you know, it's hard to explain this, that Ultimately, I am. However, I, I have to say I felt the women were being a bit disingenuous with this continual line of saying they don't get paid unless they win. They get a 12-month contract in which minimally they're getting paid $72,000 a year. Thoughts on that? Um, I feel like it's very... they. I haven't completely looked into like their salaries and everything, just kind of seeing the surface stuff, so I can't necessarily say that they're right or they're wrong Fair enough. but i feel like there is something wrong with the fact that they don't the the way that they get paid isn't the same as the way that the men get paid because yes men's soccer is bigger and has been around longer but also the women have been producing and the fact that they don't get to earn what they feel like they deserve to earn based on how the men do is very like that's, I think that's the issue there. You know, at, the, at the same time, and I know you said you haven't really looked into the, the financial part too much. At, at the same time, this is what the women pushed for. They pushed for salaried positions over bonuses. So it, it to me, it gets down to be, as I said before, a bit disingenuous when you're getting what you agreed to and then coming in, out and complaining about that. I, I just wonder at what point do they just make this more of a collecting, uh, you know, a CBA argument with with the threat of the strike which i'm all for 
Um, I will for I know for them it's very like they want to be equal to the men, which sometimes I also get confused in what they're really fighting for. Like, are they fighting for bonuses when they win, or do they want the salary that they win? It's very confusing. And like with the CBA, I tried to look into it once, and it was just too much for me to handle. So I was like, okay, not really sure what's going on here. But I do. I feel like even then, like even I feel like their fight should still continue because even with U.S. soccer, you look down to the NWSL and rookies are getting paid like 6K and obviously that's not enough to make a living. So like, I feel like they should also broaden their fight for not only just people who are with U.S. soccer, but also NWSL players because it's just ridiculous that they are expected to live with such a small salary. Absolutely, and that's you know that's something we saw in MLS. The players' union fight yeah. and fight and fight to get rid of that starting salary of of twelve seven years ago. But either way, we could we could talk about this all day long, Bianca. But I, I want to personally thank you for coming back on the show. Absolutely, Bianca. Oh, yeah, it's, it's it's a pleasure to always have you on. And just to kind of go off of that too, what you were saying. I mean, there was that documentary I believe that came out earlier in the year, a short one about um, then Boston Breakers player Rachel Wood too, showing the struggle of that there's you know you have to get another job in the off season basically because you're just you know these nwsl players that aren't federation players you can't can't survive basically you, you need to be able to have that that extra money so i think if they did turn their tune towards the nwsl as a whole instead of just the federation players that's only a group of maybe 30 players so it's definitely a, an ongoing argument but either way bianca we are grateful for having you on the show can you uh, tell people where they can find your work and find you on social media please Oh, yeah, I'm on Vavil. If you just search Vavil.com, you'll find the NWSL section. And also, you can find me on Twitter at Bianca Verar. That's V-E-R-A-W-R. And other than that, I'm linked on Facebook, so you can find me there. Awesome, awesome, Bianca. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Anytime. All right, we're going to run to a break. There goes Bianca on the ShopFootsall.com call-in line. We have a, a new guest that will be joining us in our fourth segment, a, a late addition to the program, but we're excited about it. Uh, Milwaukee Wave head coach Giuliano Oliviero is going to jump on the program and chat with us for a little bit and give us an update. The Wave, they're 2-3, and three, and I'm sure he's got some thoughts about that and how some of his players have been doing so far. But when we come back, it's time for Simon to take the top off, literally and figuratively, on Jurgen Klinsmann. I'm sure he'll play the I told you so card, and we'll talk about the MLS playoffs as well. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. Stay tuned for more.
It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lions Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan, the show rolling right along. Special thanks to Bianca Verrar for joining us on the shopfootsell.com. Call in line on our last segment to help us sort through the NWSL, the U.S. Women's National Team, and the W League as well, too. I think it's a, it's good entertainment if you like to uh, keep up with uh, the women's soccer when the U.S. Women's National Team isn't playing their games. So special thanks to, to Queen Bee as she goes by uh, for stopping by the program. All right, Simon, we've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. You've been calling for it almost as long as you've been calling for hashtag fire Caleb Porter, even though <laughs> it depends on the day for you for fire Caleb Porter. I, yeah, I think you only said that, I think, what, once or twice this whole MLS I season? I don't think I said it at all this season because uh, I no? felt I know, I, because I felt for the man and, and how much uh, how many injuries yes. he had to deal with. And there were, there were more injuries for the Portland Timbers than any other club when you're looking at their starting 11. And I, I hope... People listening also do the same thing for Mike McCarthy and the Green Bay Packers as well, because there's a lot of people that are also calling for his head. No, he needs to be fired. <laughs> okay, never mind then. <laughs> we'll roll along, I guess. All right, so yes, if you heard the news, Jurgen Klinsmann has officially been fired. Sunil Gulati at 3.11 p.m. Eastern Time yesterday dropped the bomb on the world saying, all right, he's done, he's gone, he's no longer the coach, he's no longer the technical director, which you, Simon, I know we're kind of pushing for, like if you're going to fire him, get rid of the coach, but maybe the technical director kind of sort of... Yeah, but even that, Baxter, look, you've had you've had two teams... Two cycles now, not make the Olympics under his watch. You've had several youth, and of course we're talking men's and boys' side, several youth teams not make the World Cup in their age groups, which was really unheard of until he took over. I mean, that was one of the great things about the U.S. youth program is they were continually making World Cups, continually making the Olympics. And, you know, even Klinsman had kept coming out and saying they need this experience. They need this experience. But under his watch, and I don't care if you're going to say, well, it's only been five years and those reverberations are are going to be felt years from now. The thing you're going to feel years from now is more and more players still haven't had that intense international experience at tournaments that mean something. So ultimately, I'm okay with him being let go as technical director. My point then was simply he shouldn't be coaching the U.S. men's team. He, he he's still using that as a developmental process, and I'm sorry, but at, I'm not sorry, but at at the top level, at the senior team, it's no longer about player development. It's about picking the players, playing them in their positions yeah. to win games, and we haven't seen. Either of those things happen under Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah, five years. Yeah, he cost the United States twenty million dollars in terms of the contract money that he uh, that he wanted over the time that he was here. So some will say that's twenty million dollars they'll never get back. There were obviously positives and negatives to his career. Some folks are certainly saying, well, he beat Holland, he beat Germany. Those are B teams. Let's be honest. And let's be honest, those are friendlies. Yes, it doesn't. Sorry, that that doesn't mean a damn. You're in, right. In the, no, the you're absolutely right. What about matters, that. and this is the list that I shared uh, last week, yep. one I was saying this this is enough, is you look at the firsts that he has accomplished. First to lose to Jamaica on home soil. First to lose to Jamaica, period, since the 60s or 70s. First to lose a World Cup qualifier in home soil in 15 years. First, I'm trying, I don't have the list in front of me like I had it last week. But anyways, it's it's a list of firsts of uh, futility. Yes. 
No, and, I, and I agree. That's not a record you want. And, and people saying, well, he's but he's brought us forward. I don't see where that happens. And and for this man to keep coming out and saying, well, you know, you don't, you don't understand soccer if uh, if you call for my firing. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you know, we, we do understand soccer, and that's what he's never gotten, that there actually are intelligent soccer people in this country. Exactly, and I think that is ultimately, and I heard a good argument, too, that people were still hung up on the fact of Jurgen Klinsmann and his success as a player, and that overshadowed and allowed him to scoot by for so many years as a manager because it's like, well, Jurgen did all these great things as a player. Of course he knows the game, but playing and coaching are two totally different worlds. Look, Baxter, the, the, I don't care how you feel about Klinsman. Look at the promises he made five years ago. Yeah, They've exactly. never came to fruition. And when you're still using World Cup qualifiers as experiments, yes. you have no purpose. You have no reason to belong as the head coach of any national team. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. I think that there's only so much that you can do as a national team coach, and I think a lot of folks do agree, myself included, that four years is enough for one manager. Well, and on top of this, I, I just keep going back to his own words. That, for mm-hmm. me, is what all matters. When he first took over, he said, we got to get to a place in this country where if you lose a game, it's difficult for you as a player to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Well, you know what? you got to hold yourself to that same standard. People have been watching Klinsman. They've been seeing him start a 3-5-2 against Mexico when he's never used that formation before. And he comes out and says, well, it, it worked in practice. You're not, you're not playing against Mexico in practice. You use the system that's going to help you win games. I understand he wants to revolutionize the way the U.S. plays, but counterattacking has always worked. You want to sit there and say, well, that's boring soccer? That's the American way. And mm-hmm. it is right now. And that's You have to use a system that works towards the strengths of your players. And when you're constantly playing players out of position, you're not using the correct system. Exactly. On top of that, when you see a game like they had against Mexico, and, and then he comes out and says, well, you know, Jones and Bradley, they weren't attacking like I wanted them to. You go back to that Mexico goal, Bradley was the only one attacking on that, trying to stop them. The Mexican team got through everybody else. So it's it's like Klinsman's watching games that none of us are watching. Exactly, and obviously he sees things differently as a coach than you know commentators and fans and you know statisticians, of course, see it as well too. But at the end of the day, as you and many people have said too, and myself included, the results just haven't been there. It's a results-based business, and if you don't perform, especially in competitions, it's one thing to have a, a stellar, friendly record. But like you said, if you don't win in the Gold Cups and the in the in the Confederations Cup and the other you know games in the you have to you have to if you don't you're not you're no longer fit to be the manager well and that's the other thing too baxter's people are saying you know the, the klinsman fans out there are saying but he's he's done better than any other coach look at his winning record i don't i don't care about the record what i care about is how have you done in international tournaments exactly. yes he got us out of the group of the death in the world cup yep. I, I get that and you can say, well, he made it all the way to the semifinals of the Copa America, but let's be honest, in those semifinals game... You should have. They, they, hor- they should have, and they were horrible. Yes. They were absolutely horrible in, the, in that semifinal and fourth place game. Exactly. And you and I said this, too. We're like, if the United States don't make it to the semifinals of the Copa America, then this is a, this is a failure. Absolutely. So that was the ba- That was, that the, was the expectation. Exactly. Right, like if right. you don't, if we wanted them in the final... And sure enough, they didn't because Argentina and Messi do their things, of course, which can only be blamed on so many people. I mean, Lionel Messi is but hey, the guess wild what? card. 1995, where did the U.S. finish in Copa America? Third place. Hmm. Has Klinsman taken him to a Confederations Cup? No, he hasn't. Have no. they been there before? Before him? Yes, they have. Yes, they have with Bob Bradley. Have they beaten Mexico on home soil every time they've played them since 2001? Yes, they have. Mm-hmm. First to lose to Mexico on home soil since since he's taken over. Yeah. 
No, I agree. And people can go back and forth about, you know, the well, certain players didn't step up in certain <laughs> positions and all that. Exactly. I know. Listen, it listen, fires people if, up. If Bob, Bra- uh, Bob or Bruce Arena can take a, a, a team in 2002 with less talent, yeah. less playing experience, with 11 MLS players, might I add, and a very, very young MLS, yeah. to the quarterfinals of a World Cup. And you, now, now Klinsman has players from the Bundesliga, from the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And he. And he we're sitting here looking at 0-2 in World Cup qualifying? Yeah. I, I did want to ch- change gears here a little bit. Um, still on this topic, but David Bobke had commented on yes. our page asking, well, this is his quote, so if Bruce Arena takes over, what are your thoughts about that, and why should an average fan such as myself be excited about Arena taking over when he's been there and done that before? I don't recall him being that great. He had a 50% winning percentage, hence my average fan status. What would it bring to the U.S. team now that he didn't now that he didn't have back then? Just more experience. Well, I would say this. First of all, great question, especially yeah. from an average fan. Thank you, David. I, I will. I again, I'll go back to. For me, winning percentages actually don't matter. No, because a lot Not of that has to do with friendlies. It's, yeah. it's what have you done at, at World Cup tournaments? So, so David, what Bruce Arena had been able to do is just what I talked about: take a team to the quarterfinals. Yep. It's the farthest a U.S. team has gone in modern. Uh, American soccer yep. that that era starting in 1990. Yep. Uh, Stan Anderson, who was a guest on our show, had talked about how uh, Bob Gansler was able to take a team of college players to yeah. the World Cup in 1990. Yep. The big thing Bruce Arena brings to the U.S. team, and first of all, this is going to be a stopgap. This is not going to be a long-term hire. It, it'll be a stopgap. But what he brings is belief to the players exactly if you can convince players that they believe in themselves and i think klinsman that's another thing that i would have to thanks for oh thanks for giving me all this time by the way baxter but uh that's the thing that klinsman would constantly tell us that the u.s isn't good enough Mm -hmm. uh that they're not going to do well okay when your players keep hearing that if they're if they're not strong enough mentally they're going to start believing that and i think we actually started to see that whereas bruce arena takes this group of young players and then some of them older Mm -hmm. And gets them to believe in themselves. I, there was a documentary years ago out in which, I think it was during the, it may have been the O2 World Cup. Okay. But Arena finished every single, every single one of his locker speeches with, remember, you're playing for the greatest country in the world. Yeah. Go out there, go out there and represent us. Exactly. And I, and I think that that's certainly something that I think the team has been okay at at times, but there's still so much that has yet to be decided. And, more than likely, it will be Bruce Arena that gets the job. That's what a lot of the sources are tabbing, yeah. saying it's going to be him. I do think Arena's a quick fix. Yeah, I don't absolutely. Think he's not, you know, so well, the thing is, he's he's familiar with the U.S. program. He's familiar with exactly. international soccer. And um, right now, all the U.S. soccer cares about is qualifying for the World Cup because Lord knows that if they don't qualify for the World Cup, that the world will fall apart. There's, there is no reason we should not be qualifying for the World Cup out of CONCACAF. There's no reason we should be 0-2. It's not the players. I'm telling you, Arena's going to take this team to qualification. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, Juliano Oliveira of the Milwaukee Wave, the head coach, will be joining us on the shopfutsal.com. Call in line. Stay tuned for more. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub.
Back inside the studio, it's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. From the Attention Era Media Studios, I'm Baxter Colvern. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. As we roll along, we want to remind all of you, Tuesdays and Thursdays live from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time, you can find Two Up Front live on Spreaker.com. And of course, if you miss any episodes, you can go to our website, twoupfrontsoccer.com, to find ways to go and listen to it. And we always love hearing from you, of course, as well. And there's multiple ways to do that, right, Simon? Of course, you can find us all over the place, of course, here on Spreaker.com. You can find us live as well as on demand. And other places you can find us on demand. Get ready for this list. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Vavil USA, Sports Podcasting Network. And we have another one to add to that. We do, yeah. Playingfor90.com, a part of the fan-sided network as well. We'll start uh, airing our episodes as well, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So a special thanks to Playingfor90.com and the fan-sided network as a whole. It's great to continue uh, adding to the many places that fans can listen to our wonderful show. All right, we had an opportunity to welcome in studio a couple of weeks ago Milwaukee Wave head coach Giuliano Oliviero Simon, and he was giving us a preview about the upcoming you know, MASL season with the Milwaukee Wave. And uh, now uh, they've had a couple of they've had a couple of games under their belt. They they kind of have an idea of who they are, but uh, no one knows the team better than the man that is pulling all the strings. It is Coach Liviero joining us on the shopfutsal.com Colin line. Coach, welcome back to Two Up Front, sir. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Coach. We're excited to have you back on the program. Uh, a couple of games under your belt so far. A uh, two and three. Uh, season, you know, Ian Bennett is scoring goals, of course, as as many folks know. But um, how are you viewing this this Wave team through the first five regular season games? Uh, you know, we went into the first game kind of injury injury riddled, and, and uh, it, it didn't go so great in Kansas City. We lost eleven to four. You know, but uh, we got some players back. Max Ferdinand missed the first game. Obviously, we lost Marcia Wiete to uh, to an ankle injury. He'll be gone for a while, and. Uh, you know, game two, we went into Baltimore, and uh, it was their ring ceremony night, championship banner night. We beat them four to three, and it was it was looking great. Following night, we went to Harrisburg. Uh, we had a four to one lead in the fourth quarter, and we have a young team, a talented but but young team, and and we couldn't close it out. We ended up losing that game in overtime. Uh, fast forward to the following week, we're in Cedar Rapids. We have a 4-2 lead with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, can't hang on to that lead. 4-4, we go to overtime and we lose that game as well. Uh, so a couple winnable games that, that we feel we should, we should have had. Uh, turned around Saturday, November 19th, and we played Kansas City Comets again. And, and we got off the bus at, I want to say, 3 a.m. coming back from Iowa. So I wasn't sure what kind of energy the, the players were going to bring and the mentality after losing uh, two heartbreakers in overtime. But uh, they went out there and uh, played just a fantastic game in their home opener, and, and they beat the Kansas City Comets 6-5. to five. And, you know, so if you look at it, we're 2-3. and three. Uh, Not where we want to be, but our two wins are probably against the two top teams in the league. So if you look at the potential on this team, uh, you know, we're as good as anybody. I think some of the positives you can take away as well, Coach, is you know you, you won your first home game, and you look at the road record. Yeah, you gave up three losses, but you did get a win. And I think on the road with a young team, especially in the MASL where we are, you are doing a lot of bus traveling. I think that actually says a lot of positive things, especially playing against a team like the Baltimore Blast and walking away with that four-three win. Yeah, I mean it's it's a huge confidence booster for for our young guys, and 
and even some of the veterans that, that see what these young guys are capable of, and, and they're only going to get better as the season goes on. And, you know, your goal in this league is, is to try and go uh, undefeated at home and, and 500 on the road. Uh, you know, once you attain, you know, a five, a five, five wins on the road, you, you kind of reset your goal. And, and uh, you know, our, our goal is, is that, you know, we're 1-0 at home. Right now we're 1-3 and three on the road. Uh, you know, not the easiest schedule for four or five a bit on the road. Our next one will be back in Cedar Rapids on Saturday. And, and it's a game that I think our players believe they can get. Well, I do have to ask you about uh, the, the game on the 19th. You were celebrating 33 years of Wave alumni. Do you think have, having the alums there helped boost the energy over at the uh, yeah. UWM Panther Arena? Absolutely. You know, actually, I, I added that to my pregame speech and just saying, you know, these guys are watching. You know, these guys have been in your shoes. You can, you, you know, you can send them a message and let them know, you know, kind of an old school attitude. They want to see players that get up and down the floor, blue collar mentality, working hard and, and just showing them your intelligence on the field. And, and I felt, uh, you know, not only the home crowd, but having the alumni there is, just huge and, and sparking these guys and giving them the adrenaline they needed to get through that game. And of course, a lot of those players too that are watching. I mean, let's face it; they they have some championship rings on their fingers. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, definitely a tough crowd to impress. I mean, if you look at the Waves' history and success and tradition, I mean, nothing nothing less is expected than a championship out out of uh, out of the Wave organization every year and. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the mentality that Nick Forberg and Marcelo Fontana and myself are trying to install into our players. Well, one thing you guys have been successful on this season is power play goals. Uh, Ian Bennett leads the league with, uh, with four power play goals so far. Obviously, having a player like Ian Bennett on your team is, you know, incredibly helpful. But from the supporting cast around Bennett and the fact that you've been able to exploit power play goals, what's, what's, what, what have your, your thoughts been about the offensive side of the ball rather than the defensive side? You know what? Our goal coming into the season was the defensive side of the ball. It's something where we lacked the last couple of seasons. And, and uh, apart from the first game in Kansas City, we gave up 11. Uh, we turned around, and we, we kind of want to give up four less on the defensive side of the ball, knowing that we do have an explosive offense. And and that really hasn't been the case up until Saturday. I mean, we're averaging uh, four goals a game. I want to say we want to we average closer to six goals a game and, and four goals against. And and uh, Saturday against Kansas City was actually the only time we achieved a, a six-goal performance this year. Uh, you know what, though, we're not we're not too disappointed about it because we know we have the players that can that can put up goals, that can assist. I mean, you look at Max Ferdinand. I think potentially all of Ian Bennett's goals have been assisted by Max Ferdinand, who's mm-hmm. who's one of the most you know most exciting players in the league as well. And I think him and Ian complement each other really well. So. Offensively, we're not where we want to be on the on the stat sheet, but we know the potential's there to to explode at any time. Was it is it safe to say that the Central Division is probably the hardest of all three of all four of the divisions in the MASL? It's not even close. I mean, it it is by far the most competitive division. You got the Chicago Mustangs that are two and zero right now that that can compete for a championship that that won the championship in the other league before the two leagues merged a couple of years back. Kansas City Comets, who in my opinion have been the best team the last four years. Cedar Rapids put together a potential playoff team. Uh, so yeah, and then there's ourselves. So it's it's definitely if you look uh if you look across 
every division. We're definitely the most competitive division. It's the toughest division, and and this year only two teams make the playoffs from each division. So wow, basically it's it's twenty playoff games. You're looking at. Well, of course, you had mentioned that your your next game is an away game at Cedar Rapids, but your next home game has a lot of history to it, taking on the St. Louis Ambush. I remember being a kid and well, watching my older brother play, but even before Steve was on the team, just going to those Milwaukee-St. Louis games. And I'm curious, is is, is that rivalry still there? Or, or I know the Ambush had, had been on hold for a few years. Is this a, another rivalry, like, back in the making, I guess you could say? Yeah, definitely. Uh, back when... Back when your brother played it, I mean that ambush team was was one of the top teams in the league, and and uh, you know you look at the, the tradition in St. Louis and, and the players they develop locally. It's it's one of the hotbeds in the country, and uh, you know they're off to a slow start this year. Uh, they went on hiatus for a few years, so they're slowly getting back into it. Uh, definitely, uh, never an easy game. They have a legend coaching them, Tony Glavin, uh, who played back in the '80s, who was who was. Uh, Played in the NASL, so they're in good hands there. Um, they're slowly getting better and and always competitive. They're always competitive. I'll say that about the St. Louis Ambush. Well, Giuliano, I want to wish you the best of luck with the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll have you back on the shopfutsal.com call in line without a doubt. Uh, but thank you for your time today. All right, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Coach. Same to you as well. We look forward to having you back on again soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Anytime. We'll anytime. All right. We are going to run to a break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. Some breaking news in U.S. soccer. It's like we didn't even need to bother to talk about or predict who was going to be the manager when U.S. soccer's already gone and done it. But we'll talk about that. We'll briefly talk about the MLS playoffs, and we'll wrap things up. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Right after this, we'll be back with more. Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. We've got some breaking news. Would you like to break it? Sure. If you haven't seen it already, Bruce Arena has officially been named head of the U.S. men's national team. Round three. Now, it doesn't say if he will be coaching them in the World Cup. i got to believe that if he gets them qualified for the World Cup, they're going to stick with him and, and know that at the end of the World Cup, 
it'll be a new coach being announced. I would assume so. I, I did hear one thing that some folks were saying on the radio recently. They said, well, if you know, if it is Bruce Arena, why not bring in who that potential next coach might be as sure. an assistant under Sure, him? that's a great idea. I know, love it. Caleb yeah, that's a great Porter, idea. Jason Christ, some of those other guys. People forget that Jason Christ was an assistant for Jurgen Klinsmann as well for, right. for 2016. Well, I actually wonder, There's there's been a lot of chatter about Peter Vermes about taking over that's what at, I've also at the end of the heard, World yep. Cup. So, Tad Ramos among yep. other, as well. I don't know if I'd be too thrilled about Tab, considering he hasn't done that oh. well with the U-20s, and um, he's one of Jurgen Klinsmann's hand-picked guys as well, True. so it makes you wonder. Yeah. I don't know, though. I, Tab was... I know you probably didn't get to watch him play, Baxter. No, was, Man, he was... Talk about a player ahead of his time as an American, the way he controlled the midfield. He was phenomenally skilled foot-wise as well, the way he read the game. He spent time in La Liga. He was a he was so exciting to watch. I just, you know, the old days thinking of Tab Ramos, Ernie Stewart. Yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, uh, these lines of players. That same thing that Klinsman has done, you know, they they weren't they weren't uh, born in the U.S., but they, they had... Because I, I believe Tab was born in Uruguay, if I remember. Of course, Ernie Stewart from the Netherlands. Uh, but same thing. You know, they had fathers or mothers that were in the U.S. military. Uh, either way, it was... That's the one thing I'll say about Tab. But we've seen how player success does not always equate to coaching success. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we are excited uh, about now the potential future, the... the the yeah uh, the world is now watching again now that we have an official national team coach who will be his first camp called in what players will it be the old guard the new guard who knows well and you've seen other countries do uh, you know bring in an interim coach that he knew was going to be interim mm-hmm. also stayed with his club team so I'm I'm wondering I haven't looked at the Galaxy webpage maybe I'll do that as as you talk here for a little bit um, but I'm curious if if it's going to be a dual role for him. And that's I, I do know that his contract uh, is done at the end of this year, so we'll have to see what they decide to do. Uh, switching gears, though, to uh, MLS as a whole tonight kicks off the conference championships for the Western and Eastern Conference. Montreal hosting Toronto FC and Seattle hosting Colorado. Those games on ESPN and FS1, respectively, at 7 and 9 p.m. Central Time as well. Montreal, arguably the underdog against TFC, especially with their late-season surge. But at the same time, Montreal has done a fair share of overcoming a lot of the giants that they've had to face. Uh, just sorry, Baxter. Going back to the Alley Galaxy, they are searching for a new head coach and general manager. Interesting. Hashtag Gary and Klinsman. <laughs> <laughs> he lives in L.A. already. He does. Well. He does. He does. Wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it, yeah, wouldn't it be something if Klinsman takes over for the Galaxy and then next year or the year after we hear Arena coaching LAFC? <laughs> Anyways, I would be all for that. Or Steven Gerrard. I mean, he just turned down Stevie MK G. Dons. That's you know? right. No, he's going, to, he's going to be at Liverpool. Yeah, more than likely. Why wouldn't he be? Right. As long as he doesn't slip on his way into the stadium, that's all that <laughs> Well, anyways, Montreal, Toronto. I, I think you're absolutely right, Baxter. Montreal is the underdog in this. However, they're going to be playing at Olympic Stadium. Yeah, 60,000 people are going to be there tonight. That's amazing. That, that's awesome. That's absolutely that awesome. amazing. And some folks are saying, but it's on a Tuesday night. <sighs> Not for the Canadians. They don't care. That's right. This is the first chance to make Canadian soccer history. It's already history for the fact that you have two Canadian teams playing against each other in the Eastern Conference. you got TFC, who's a very... Well, both of these teams are very explosive. Yes. I think think Montreal Impact tends to be more susceptible uh, in the back. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But if they can shut down Javinko... 
watch out. Yeah. Watch out for the impact. Because don't forget the impact of Nacho Piatti, who's been playing out of his mind lately. And that's what a lot of folks have been looking at, the Giovinco versus Piatti battle. Of course, they, they won't be really defending each other because they'll be you know running rampant on their own ways, so the defenses will have to worry about it. But there are a lot of players, though, that actually are in yellow card trouble as well. Both Josie Altador and Michael Bradley are already on a yellow card, so if they get another one in the match tonight, they will not be eligible for the second leg. Which would be huge. So you're, you're going to wonder how that's going to affect their play tonight. Uh, and these are two players who are hot-headed, let's be honest. Yes. Yes, there's a couple from Montreal as well who I can't seem to find. I believe Simon and a couple others are also on yellow cards. So both teams have notable players in yellow card trouble, which if any of them go out, would certainly make it interesting in the second leg. An opportunity for maybe a young gun to rise above and showcase, you know, Jordan Hamilton, among others. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb here right away. I mean, you look at the spine of Toronto FC, Clint Irwin, of course, in goal, Mm -hmm. uh, Drew Moore in the back, Michael Bradley, as you had already mentioned, along with Osario in the middle with Bradley, and then, of course, Giovinco up top. Altidore as well. I don't know if I'd consider Altidore part of that spine, but Toronto has a really strong spine to, uh, to going into this game that... I think you look at that against Toronto's. Yeah, they got Simon. Uh, Bush has been playing okay in goal, yeah. and of course Biotti. Bush is in, another in one the middle the cards as well, right? And, and you look up top. If Drogba plays, uh, that's a strong player. But yeah. well, I, I actually I'm going to disagree with you. I think they play better without Drogba in there. Yeah, you've mentioned that a couple of times this season, especially after it was fairly obvious that Drogba's not himself as he was in 2015 with his 11 goals in 11 games. So we'll have to see. Maybe he's more of a substitution, can come in and kind of change the dynamic of the game. But you take if, if Piatti is not being effective or he's you know silenced, that doesn't really leave a lot of other consistent dominant options for the impact to put goals in the back of the net. Yeah, I do think you'll see Man- uh, Manak, I never say his name right, Mankasu playing in place of Drogba. Okay. Um, I think you're going to be looking at a 4-1-4 with... Montreal probably playing against that three five two, the dreaded three five two. If you're an American Love fan, it. Uh, but a three five two for Toronto FC. So those are those are two formations that will call for a very interesting game. Both of those formations obviously very attack minded. Yes, I would agree with that. Uh, quickly flipping over to Seattle. Well, let's uh, Montreal TFC. Who do you got in this game? Uh, even though it's at Montreal, I'm, I'm actually going to take a draw on this uh, one. That was honestly my same thought. I, I can see a 1-1 draw tonight, I feel like. I think both teams, I think Montreal might find uh, that early goal with those 60,000 people screaming their heads off, but I think TFC finds a way to equalize just because of how Josie Altidore especially has been doing fairly well over across the board. And I think we'll have a more clear picture Obviously, we'll have a more clear picture next week. But what I mean by that is if any of these players pick up a yellow card, yeah. these important players, well, they're all important, but you know what we're talking about. Of course. That, that'll really determine next week's result. Exactly. The big storyline going into the uh, Western Conference Championship, Tim Howard is out for the year, uh, and Gashi is also doubtful for leg one. So right away... Colorado, who seem to be the Cinderella story, are down two of their best players. Gashi, with the goal of the playoffs, the goal of the year, to lose him is huge because, let's face yeah. it, Toronto, or, uh, Colorado doesn't have that much of an offense the way it is. I mean, they, they do have Baji in there. The two, when he steps up, does all right. But you're not looking at much of an offense. Uh, Doyle's been a little bit of a disappointment this year. In the well, We're talking about the amount of goals being scored. I'm not saying that this team is bad with their play up front, but they just don't score a lot of goals, Baxter. When, and then you're looking on the other side, Ladero, Morris. Morris uh, will still be out for this one, too. Oh, he is. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, either way, you still have Ladero in there. You have Fernandez. Do we know about Alonzo yet? Um, I don't see anything about Alonzo. Dempsey, we know for sure, is up, but then they're saying Obviously, Jordan yeah. Morris and Alvaro Fernandez are uh, to be determined right now. Okay. So we know okay. Morris had that hamstring injury a couple weeks ago. Has it been enough time? 
I don't know if there's ever enough time for a hamstring. So maybe you see a Hercules Gomez in there, which uh, that'll be interesting because he hasn't played 90 minutes a, a lot this season. Exactly. Uh, predictions in this one? It's in Seattle. I'm I'm actually going to go with, tell you what, I'm going to go 2-0 Seattle. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, Zach McMath is going to be back in the goal, but it's been a long time since he's been in the goal. It's one thing to play consistent in goal, but to not be in goal and then thrown back in again, especially in a high-pressure situation, I don't know if that's going to work in the Rapids' favor. I don't either, um, but I will say, you know, he came out last week and said, I've been looking forward to this. I've, yeah. I've been ready this entire time. I've been training Tim hard. Awesome. Thank <laughs> Which, you, of Tim. course, you know he's not going to come out and say that, but... I don't think in the end he was incredibly sad when Tim went down and he realized, I get to play in the Western Conference Final. Yeah. I'm excited to see it because the Rapids were doing better on defense with McMath than they were with Howard. Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting thing for sure. So, I've got you know Seattle what? winning too. Okay, I'm, I'm actually going to take it back and say 1-0 though. My, my score is 1-0. Still Seattle, but, okay. but I don't think they're going to score as many as I, I yeah, first thought. Colorado's so weird. Badgie's played good down the stretch, so I could maybe see him squeaking a goal in and maybe it being like a 2-1 sort of game or even maybe another 1-1 draw, and it's just it's all still up in the air going into those second legs. But the away goals are going to be massive tonight, no matter who you ask. Very true, and I will tell you what. I'm going to do an early prediction, Baxter. I think Colorado wins next week. Okay. 3-1. to one. Ooh, so we have a Colorado-Toronto final? At this point, yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I want Toronto definitely to represent. Listen, I'm not going to be surprised, though, if Montreal makes it. No. I really won't. At this point, with everything they've overcome so far, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be a little bit more surprised if Seattle goes through. Interesting. I don't know why. That's just my gut. Sometimes you just go with your gut. Hey, that's all that matters, I guess. All right. Well, we have had a fantastic show. It was great to finally be back in the studio with Simon. It's been far too long, so I'm glad to, to be back. And uh, we had a great show as well with all the guests joining us. We had Bianca Verrar of Vavil USA and the Milwaukee Wave head coach, Giuliano Olivier. Jumping on last minute. So thanks again, Giuliano. Yes. Joining us on the shopfutsal.com call in line. And, of course, our new sponsor, Fred Gillick from Too Much Metal, joining us as our new sponsor of the Kick Around, which you can hear at the beginning of every single show. We will not be here on Thursday. Go and celebrate Thanksgiving with your loved ones and talk about soccer, complain about 352s and do things, you know, that it, that you know, people love to talk about, I guess. And enjoy the food, of course. Absolutely. And uh, you know, Chat, chat, chat with your families about Bruce Arena and Klinsman. Don't talk about uh, Trump and Clinton and all that. It'll exactly. be a much better thing. Well, actually, in some households, you might actually want to talk more Trump. I say he might be. It's just so much easier. Some people might just throw things. All right. Well, he's Simon Proven. I'm Baxter Colburn. Happy Thanksgiving, of course, from all of us here at Two Up Front. With our manager being the one above, we are Two Up Front. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. ba 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 ba